Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Bridget McGowan here, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I have the distinct pleasure of sitting down with Scotty Prendergast. Scotty, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Bridget. I'm super thankful to be on here today, and I can't wait to talk about how to own the microphone. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's not waste any time whatsoever. Now, Scotty, I get the sense that you have just always been this dynamic, exciting, engaging speaker. Is that the case? Have you just always gotten up there and owned it? We're going to be 5,000% honest today, Bridget. The answer to that shortly is no, absolutely not. Now, the little bit of longer answer is this is something that's been developed over time. You know, I knew growing up, I'd say around maybe high school, early college, that I really enjoyed speaking. And it was a talent that I had, but I wasn't confident in it at all. You know, I never raised my hand in class. I would be scared to death anytime I had to get up and do a presentation. So there seemed to be a bit of a disconnect. But what I found out is that for me, being able to get up in front of an audience and be authentic to myself is where I really felt a lot of power. And that's where I really started to see my skills shine. You know, when I would go up and talk about, you know, oh, this presentation says Y equals MX plus B and the square root of 10 is this, I'd be so confused, so nervous, I'd feel terrible. But if I got to go up in front of people and say, hey, you know, my feelings on so-and-so are this, or, oh, I've been through this or that, it seemed to be so much more natural. So I think for me, the key was learning to be authentic to myself, which then led to me learning to get better and more comfortable as a speaker. I think there's a lesson to take away here when it comes to those public speaking classes we all had to take in college. Remember, they would give us these this lame pool of topics to choose from. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. I'm not passionate talking about I don't know why we should stop mining for coal. I don't know. (laughs) So to any of the public speaking professors out there listening, let us choose something that we're passionate about as opposed to, I don't know, giving us this strange list to pick from. Now, what do you, speaking of speaking topics, what do you typically speak on, Scotty? Yeah, so I'm an inspirational speaker and a mental health advocate. So I take my own experience in overcoming depression and severe anxiety, and I also talk about everyday strategies that whoever's listening can use to apply in their life right here, right now, to help them work through some of the struggles that they face. And it's not just mental health, and it's not just inspiration. It's a combination of both. So whether you're just having a bad day and you need something to help lift you up, or whether you've been struggling for the past two years with severe depression... I'm going to talk about something that's going to help you to look at your life differently. And as my tagline goes, I want to help others to navigate life through the lens of hope. You know, we have a choice on how to look at every situation, right? Look, we cannot control what happens to us. Sometimes bad things are going to happen that totally out of our hands. But what we can do is every day, we have a choice on how we're going to view that situation. We're going to view it as something that's taking away from us, something that's hurting us. We're going to view it as something that's propelling us forward and making us better in some type of way. And ultimately, that's what I speak about, whether it's at colleges, whether it's in businesses, you name it. But I'm just trying to inspire and help people work through those obstacles that you and I face every day. Like you said, every day we have a choice. 
we can show up or we can shut down. I mean, every day is about choices. Now, when you think about your presentations, what is one of the best choices you've made when it comes to getting up there and delivering your speech? Now, I'll tell you, one of the choices that I make is I have to practice. Listeners know this about me. I have to practice at least three times the entire presentation. I just make time for it. One of my friends was on the the show uh, maybe about a month or so ago, and she asked me, Bridget, what would you do if you didn't have time to practice? Scotty, I nearly had a heart attack. I said, oh, I I don't know. Oh, call in the hearse, call in the undertaker. There's no way I'm going to be able to survive that. But what are... What are one or two choices that are just non-negotiables for you? You've got to make these decisions before you get on the stage, while you're on the stage or what have you when it comes to speaking. I think one of the biggest things for me, again, as well as practicing, but to go on a different tangent here, I think for me is knowing my audience in and out. You know, I've got to make sure that when I'm going to speak to an audience that this is, you know, the information I'm going to be sharing is pertinent to them. Because if I don't know the audience 100% and I don't know what it is that they're looking to get from this presentation, I'm going to be insecure and I'm going to spend my whole time trying to please individual people that I see in the audience who might not be looking like they're having the best of time because I'm not confident in what I'm saying because I didn't do the research on who I'm speaking to. So I think for me, similar to you being prepared in a sense that I've got to know what the purpose of this conference is, what these people are looking to get out of it so that I can make sure I'm my authentic self and I'm not trying to be somebody that I'm not because I'm really insecure and covering up for the fact that I don't know what these people want. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things for me when it comes to making a choice every time I present on, uh, you know, making sure I'm prepared and have everything worked out correctly. Scotty, I have spoken to so many different speakers on this show Uh, more than 100, easily more than 100 speakers, probably somewhere around 140, 50 or something like that. And oh my goodness, when you add it all up, I know I've probably talked to people who have had 10, 15, 20 years of experience or more. But my point that I'm making is something you just said, I've never heard said by any speaker on this show and it's huge. Everybody, Scotty was just saying, I know my audience inside and out, right? You heard that part. But here's the part that really resonated for me. When he knows his audience inside and out, he's not stressing himself over trying to please one or two people who don't look like they're picking up what he's putting down. A lot of times people will get worried about that because there's one or two people where maybe their arms are crossed or it's just their 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 body language suggests that they'd rather be somewhere else than there. But when you know your audience, when you've done the work on understanding who's in front of you, you don't stress about those one or two people because you know you've done your homework, you know you've prepared, you know you've pulled together a message that should resonate with those people. And those one or two who aren't, feeling you, you know, it, it could be a whole host of things going on, but you rest assured in that you've done your due diligence by researching that audience. I, I've never heard anybody say that before, but that makes such good sense. You don't even stress out or feel like you're missing the mark because you know you're not. 
It's just those, they might have issues going on at home. They may have gotten a crazy email message that they're trying to deal with. I mean, you don't know what's going on. So it may not even necessarily be you. Okay, I'm rambling now. Everybody, Scotty P is a total rock star. So he has five years in the mental health field and counting and counting. He has spoken in 35 different states to more than 100,000 people. He's the host of the Scotty P Inspiration Show. He's had multiple appearances on Good Day Philadelphia. He's also been a keynote speaker for the Phillies Mind Your Mind Strike Out the Stigma event. He's an executive board member for the National Speakers Association Philadelphia chapter. He's a full-time inspirational speaker and mental health advocate, and he speaks to inspire others to move past those everyday mental obstacles that hold them back in their own lives. Scotty's ultimate goal is to help others find the light in their own lives, getting past that darkness that might lurk around every corner because he believes before you can move past the obstacles that are holding you back, you've got to first validate and empathize with yourself and the troubles that are plaguing you. And that's when you can start to build that resilience. And that's when you can start to learn and experience peace, even in the strongest storms that life will throw your way. Scotty J. Prendergrass, uh, just rock star, rock star. I feel like I'm putting too many R's in your name. So like, Correct me at any time if you want. And everybody, listen, I'm going to put in the show notes and I'll bring this up again. Scotty's website is scottypinspiration.com. Please visit his site. He has information on uh, how to book him to speak. Also information on his life coaching and just a ton of other good resources to get you on the good foot. Okay. Now, Scotty, I need you to tell me or tell our listeners, not just me, it's not about me, tell our listeners about a time when you really saw transformation happen in a presentation. Like it was just one of those aha moments where you're like, oh, wow, I could like relive this over and over again. (laughs) That's a great question, Bridget. And I'm thinking back as you say that my wheels are turning to all the different presentations over the past you know, six years I've been doing this, but I think I can't ignore one that comes to the front of my mind. And it was actually a high school presentation. Uh, And as I had told you before we had spoken, I got my start, I I cut my teeth, so to speak, by speaking at middle schools and high schools. And for anyone who knows that audience, (laughs) it can be a little bit challenging sometimes, especially when you're speaking at 730 in the morning on a Monday to kids that do not want to be there, (laughs) you know, so um, with that being said, there was this one presentation, it was at a high school about two and a half years ago, I'd say. And I get in here, I'm speaking, they introduce me and the whole crowd just could care less. They're like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't want to be here. I'm making it evident that I don't want to be here. My body language is suggesting it. So I get up there and I see all this and I go, okay, I have a choice. I can either sit here and go through what I have planned and hope that maybe it turns them around or I can meet these people where they're at. And so what I did is I changed my intro a little bit. Instead of being the scripted thing that I had, I changed it to reflect what I felt the needs were of the people at that time. And at that time, I had found out previously going into it that somebody in their class had previously died. 
um, from a drug overdose. And they were all just really, really struggling with it. And for me to come in and talk about mental health, it seemed like something that they weren't ready to hear. So I met them where they were. And I changed my beginning to a personal story about somebody that I was close to, who unfortunately went down that road of drug addiction. And by me being able to change my story to that and bring that intro together, all of a sudden, I saw the hands start to fall to the side. I start to see the headphones come out of the ears. I start to, started to see the hoods go down. I started to pe see people lean in a little bit more because they were able to connect with it on a level that they didn't know that they could because they just saw me as this guest presenter, some random guy. But when I came in there and I connected with them on a real emotional, deep, impactful level, all of a sudden, I had the audience on my side after five, 10 minutes, and the rest of the presentation was gravy. But I think that was one of the coolest things for me to see such a cold audience turn so warm to the point where I got multiple, multiple coaching opportunities out of that audience too later on. So I think that would be probably one of the most impactful ones for me. For sure. For sure. I can see why I would feel the exact same way. And it is really, like you said, about connecting with the audience. You want them to sit there and silently say, he gets me. She understands where I'm coming from because whether it's children or whether it's adults, when a guest speaker comes in, you are an outsider. You don't know what we've been dealing with. You don't know what's front of mind right now. You have no clue. You're just a guest speaker who's an expert on XYZ and you're going to shine some light <laughs> And I'm not here for it. <laughs> but when you let them know, yeah, I might be a visitor, but I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, that That is just what is so important at the start of a presentation. I talk about making sure that you connect at the beginning of a presentation all the time. So I won't dive into that. Now, have you ever had a challenging situation with a presentation, whether it was a difficult audience member, some crazy left field question? And if so, what was it? How did you handle it? Mm, that's a really good question, Bridget. Honestly, again, I can think of multiple, especially when I first started here uh, on a personal level. We all could. We all could, Scott. Absolutely. It's like, it's like, how long is this show? How many minutes do you have? Exactly. So for the sake of time, I'll just cut it down to really two. One, uh, I had a couple of different times where certain people were asking me if I was seeing anybody. That was always a little bit awkward <laughs> yeah, in front of everyone. I, I was just like, oh. Okay, we're going to keep it moving here. Uh, I am seeing someone, but we'll just act like I didn't hear the question, right? So that happened a couple of times, but I would say above all else, there was one time at a business I was working at, I was doing a conference for this business, or I should say it wasn't a conference. It was um, a presentation for that individual business, right? There's a pretty big crowd and everybody was there. And I have somebody ask me and they had said, hey, you know, why should we listen to you? You're only 25 years old. How could you know anything about life? And I remember I stood there and I took it in for a second and I felt the anger. I felt the anger inside me, but I made a choice not to go that route because I said, I'm a professional. This is my livelihood. This is my business. And maybe this is an opportunity for me to change somebody's mind. So for me, how I reacted to it after I allowed myself to feel that anger is I went through some of the things that I've been through that I knew that they could connect with, feeling unvalidated in life, feeling like my life didn't matter, feeling like a sense of stuck and stagnation in the daily grind of work. I talked about all of that, again, kind of connecting with it. And I said, look, I don't understand your struggle because I don't know it, but I do know what that struggle can feel like. I can connect with you on the feeling. 
I can't connect with you on what caused the feeling, but the feeling I very much understand. And again, doing that, I don't know how the guy took it and went away, but I can tell you didn't say anything else after that. <laughs> so I think that was, again, for me, just that connective piece, something that really helped in that situation too. And that's kind of my go-to. I try to connect when in doubt instead of going forth with anger or anything else like that. People are going to remember what energy you're giving. They're they're going to remember what you're putting out. And like you said, I mean, connecting is far better than going forward with anger. What what is that saying? You you get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. And so for you to you know you have the anger. I mean, you're human. You have you know you, you feel that little heat come up in your throat for just a second, <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, "If we were out in the street." right now <laughs> but yeah you feel that because you are a human being and you let that sit for just a second but then you remember what you're there for and you know like I tell people and I was telling my husband this the other day everybody has a story you have no idea what is going on behind this mask that oftentimes we walk out of the house and put on each day so you treat people how you want to be treated and hope that somehow cross your fingers, not hope. I don't, I don't want to say hope. You know that when you flip that script and you connect that it just makes all the difference. Okay. In a few minutes, you will have an opportunity to ask me a question. But my next question for you is this. When you're giving a presentation, what do you think is the most important thing that needs to happen and how do you make that happen mm, that is an awesome question Bridget I think there's a lot of things that go into that but I think if there's the most important thing and how you make it happen is you've got to have the audience put themselves in your shoes and what I mean by that is that you want the audience to be able to visualize exactly what it is that you're talking about, whether you're sharing a personal story or whether you're sharing an example or whether you're just giving a piece of advice on a certain topic. You know, you want the audience to be able to say, oh, OK, you know what? You know, I, I can see that I can step out of my own pain. I can step out of my own resentment. I can step out of my own situation right now and I can step into what it is that this guy or girl is saying. And I think when you're able to do that. Above all else, that's how you get that engagement that you really want. That's how you get people that are paying attention more closely. That's how you get better questions in the Q&A. When you can get them out of whatever it is that their situation is right now and into this, not, I don't want to say made up situation, but into this other situation that you're creating, that you're fostering right there with the words that you speak. Ooh, I think there's something seriously powerful about that more powerful than, you know, fun movements, more powerful than getting people up to dance, more powerful than anything else is getting them to a place that you want them to be so that they can take away from the message what they need to take away from it. Speaking of takeaways from messages, I want you to give us a takeaway from one of your messages. I see that one of your presentations for corporations is from rock bottom to rock solid, overcoming workplace anxiety and depression. What's one thing that maybe you can teach us or one takeaway that you can give us? And I know I'm asking you to distill this amazing keynote that's probably at least 60 minutes long. I'm asking you to distill it down to like a 60 second 
commercial but what could you know because we're we're all in these workplaces and we're stretched to the max and we've got personal responsibilities and some of us are going to school as well as being parents and my goodness it's a lot so what is one you know teachable moment or one lesson you can give us from that keynote Hmm, I love that Bridget so instantly what comes to mind is this one right here We've all heard the term life's all about peaks and valleys, right? Meaning it's about good times and bad times. The peaks are the good times in life. The valleys are not so good times in life, right? So here's the thing that we always don't always look at, though. When we're in a valley, we have a tendency to just stare off in the distance to say, how come I'm not at that peak? How come I'm not there yet? I wish I was on the peak. I wish things were better. I wish this, 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 and this. But when we're in that valley of our lives, there's a lot of hidden gems in that valley right where we are. But the thing is, we got to get down on our hands and knees sometimes, and we got to be willing to dig around in that dirt that is that valley, that is that situation to find those little hidden gems. And those hidden gems could represent newfound resilience. They could represent a new relationship, a new career outlook, a new career change, a new you know, outlook on whatever. But those hidden gems will give us the strength to be able to keep moving forward to get to those mountain peaks. Right. So for one person who's listening today who might really need to hear this, if you're in a valley right now, don't dismiss that valley and know that there is still good to be found there. But we've got to take our eyes off of the distance sometimes for a second and use what's around us to allow us to keep moving forward and use those hidden gems to give us that energy to take one step forward towards that ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. One step, one step. Okay, what's your question for me? I've been putting it off. I've been trying to squeeze in one question, then another. <laughs> what's your question for me, Scotty? For sure, Bridget. So you being as accomplished as you are and just having such an influence and done so many things, I would have multiple questions for you. But for the sake of the show, just if I could have, ask one, I'd really say this. For you, you know, what have you found has been the biggest key to success and you being able to, to develop your brand recognition to where people can say, I know her, I've seen her, I know what she does and have that work kind of done for you instead of having to marketing it on your own. Ooh, okay. Key to success and brand recognition. So one key, I, I, there's probably more. One key is definitely going to be paying it forward in a sense, right? And this is what I mean. If I have an opportunity that comes across my desk and I just know it's not a good fit, I'm reaching out to somebody else. I'm not just going to tell that person, oh, I can't do that. That's not in my wheelhouse. I am immediately thinking because I have professional speakers on the show all of the time. I am going to immediately say to myself, okay, who was on that show? Who is in my LinkedIn network? Who have I met at a conference that I know could tackle this? And so instead of telling that person, no, I can't do it, I cannot do it. However, I've got the perfect person for you. So I don't know if that's the pay it forward model, but that, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that's one key to success is just always giving opportunities or thinking of others when it comes to opportunities. Also, another key is no matter the speaking engagement, whether I am getting paid for it or if it is a conference where I have personally submitted my call, my, my, I've personally responded to the call for proposals and have submitted my uh, proposal to be considered for the conference. 
and nine times out of 10, I'm not getting paid. I am going to treat it like a paid engagement. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do all of the practice and all of the rehearsal, and I'm going to communicate with the conference organizers as if they are my clients and do all the things. And let me think, another key to success is going to be consistency. Because a lot of speakers won't tell you this, and maybe they will. Dr. James will tell you this. (laughs) Listeners, you've heard Dr. James on our show. It's probably been some years now, but Dr. James Smith Jr. is an amazing professional speaker and uh, professor and all the things. He's amazing. But uh, a lot of speakers won't tell you this, but for every one yes you get for an engagement, there were a bunch of no's. And so that that consistency is huge. And there are some days when you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to feel like going through this. And um, celebrating those successes, celebrating those yeses. Now with brand recognition, it's incredibly important to figure out what you want to be known for, right? When uh, someone sees your name or says your name, you want them to think, X, fill in the blank. So that's that brand recognition piece. For me, it's been presentation skills. And I have former colleagues where we used to work together at certain companies and everybody's gone their different ways over the years. But if they land at a company and they have a team and one of the things comes up, we would love to have some training on presentation skills. They're reaching out to me. And so it's attaching your name to that thing you want to be known for. And that's what I've done intentionally, not intentionally. I don't know, accidentally, it just happens, which that's kind of what happened to me, Scotty, when I was in corporate America. I just became that person that people would go to for help with presentations. I I just did. Mm -hmm. And so just figuring out what is that, what is that you want to be known for and then making your name synonymous with it. So whenever that thing is mentioned, everybody knows, oh yeah, I've got the man for you, Scotty P. So yeah, I trust that answers your question. It was a very good question. Oh yeah, that 100% answers it. And I'm gonna take some notes as well. And I could totally relate again with what you're saying about that consistency, because sometimes it's just, nobody ever tells you about how many no's it takes just to get one yes all right so I loved how you how you talked about that because that's just honesty and I think more speakers need to hear that <laughs> yeah and you know with the um, with the brand recognition thing as well as the consistency piece there are some things that you can do to improve your odds of of getting more yeses and you know I haven't done any research on how many yeses it t- or how many no's it takes to get to a yes but of course you know aligning yourself with big names or, you know, whether it's organizations or people or causes, uh, you know, I have not done a TED talk yet, but certainly doing one of those will not hurt you, but aligning yourself with as many big names to give yourself that street cred, if you will, to give you that cachet, being able to say you've been featured here, there, and the other place, and then having that on your website, being able to say you've spoken on the same program alongside Oprah Winfrey or Barack Obama or Amy Cuddy, being able to say that and having that proof and then putting it on your website, that increases the number of yeses you can get as well. So anyway, yeah, question. Now, Scotty, what else 
do our listeners need to know in order to make sure they own the microphone? Yeah, I would say for anybody listening, one of the most important things to make sure that you're owning the microphone is to be true to you. Now, there's a lot of people out here, like we talked about before, who are wearing a mask, and some people are really good at doing it, but I'm a true believer that in time, people will eventually be able to see through that. But when you're being authentic to yourself, when you're passionate about a message and you're being who you are, you don't have to worry about taking off a mask because you're not wearing one. And I think in this world today, in this content creation world, in this next second, every second, I need something world, it's really refreshing to have somebody just be their true and authentic selves in front of an audience. And I think people connect with that more than anything. I people, I think people crave that more than anything. And I think that's something that comes a lot more natural to us than we might truly think. Um, so I would say for anyone who is a speaker or aspiring to be, just be your authentic self and find something you're passionate about, and let that lead you. And I think that's where a lot of success comes from, instead of trying to fit the mold of what everybody else wants all the time, because that's exhausting. And in time, it will break down too. It will. If you're not yourself, if you're trying to be whomever, fill in the blank with the latest and greatest in the speaker world, it it will wear you down. Uh, so, you know, no truer words have been spoken. Scotty, it has been fantastic having you on the show. Really appreciate your insight and your energy and all that you do. Oh, thanks so much, Bridget, for having me on the show. It was wonderful. I was so glad to be able to share, you know, the mic with you right now and help others to own the mic too. So thanks so much for bringing me on. And I'd love to be on again whenever possible. For sure. Everybody, make sure you visit Scotty's website. It's scottypinspiration.com. Scotty J. Prendergrass. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're a rock star. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super grateful. <laughs> and to the listeners, thank you for tuning in. My name is Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. Mm -hmm.